What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 126. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Not too much. Although, I gotta say, you left me alone on Arena for a little too long, and I accidentally blew a bunch of gems on these. Well, you can see them. Yeah, uh, they're beautiful lands. You got the you got the Spacics. That's pretty sweet. Oh. I saw that they had the Spacic Plains. These are the uh, the new unset lands. I just couldn't resist. And then I kind of accidentally bought all the shocks too. <laughs> so, yeah, accidentally. Sure. Well, okay. Let's just say after my, um, my, my decent run at Qualifier Weekend and at the Arena Open, I, I had a little bit of excess gems. So you, you got to put those things somewhere. You can't take it with you. That's true. Well, this week we're going into our live draft. This is actually going to be a live recording of our very first Brothers War draft. It's opening day, released on Arena earlier today, and we're just going to give it a go. You're going to watch us bumble around, stumble over picks, and we're going to try to do our best to talk through everything we need to think through in order to do a good job here with these picks. It is a premier draft, so we are going to uh, have to do this with a timer, but we'll, uh, we'll get through it. Uh, we're also recording the full video for this. So you'll be able to watch along if you want. And we're going to add a new segment to uh, our, our live draft show where we roast our previous live draft from last time. So I have our DMU one queued up, ready to look at uh, after this. All right. Before we get into all of that, of course, our usual housekeeping, check out the Discord if you're not already in it. It's the best place to be to keep up with us, chat with us, chat with the rest of the Traficionado community and discuss picks, post your trophies. We always really love to see the race to the first trophy on a new set. So, you know, maybe that's already happened by the time this episode releases, but but if not, you know, get, get your trophies posted in the trophy channel. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. Huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. You all rock and uh, we, we really appreciate the support that you've provided us big shout out to our latest patron dan welcome aboard thanks for your support we really appreciate you as well perks over there include things like our doc our draft doctor series stickers show notes our pre-show recordings as well as our draft shaft hero cards signed and sent right to your door again you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft pod now i gotta think of what i'm gonna do to a wing mantle chaplain to send to dan i mean not that i well I usually make some light edits, you know, nothing that would make it unplayable, but maybe like a little mustache here or there or something. I don't know. I'll think of something for for the chaplain. We're going to skip our crack draft type thing this week because we have an entire draft to get through. So right onto our Teferi Tibble. This is our roses and thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. What's up, Ben? Not too much. Uh, Had a good long weekend. It was teacher convention here in New Jersey and well, some teachers go to it, but most just enjoy a four-day weekend. So that was kind of fun. Spent a lot of time laying around doing nothing. Always good. Uh, and next week, there's another four-day weekend because, uh, well, it's Thanksgiving. So that'll be nice. Uh, now, this kind of leads right into my Tybalt, which is the fact that this is a full week. So it's kind of like a full week surrounded by two to three-day weeks. And that's uh, no, that's annoying. Um, but anywho, it was a bit of a bum missing pre-release as well it's been a a long time since we missed pre-release but we both had busy weekends full of fun stuff so um you know it is what it is 
Yeah, it happens. Um, sad to miss one, but I think if I had to miss one in the last probably four or five sets, I'm glad it was this one from what it, what it looks like. Um, Oof, harsh criticism right off the bat. I haven't played it yet, so I could totally eat those <laughs> words at some point, but uh, just looking at the set, it's one of the least excited I've been over recent sets anyway. All right, so my Teferi is that obviously the holidays are coming up, uh, Thanksgiving here in the U.S., and um, that's always great. It's one of my favorite holidays, favorite times of year as well. Uh, lots of good food going around. We've got Friendsgivings coming up, you know, just hanging out with friends and family. And uh, I've got a, f- a little bit of travel plans as well um, mixed in there. So I'm really excited for for this extra time. That said, my Tybalt is that I've got some deadlines work-wise coming up and they bump right up against Thanksgiving. So if if I can't really put the put the pedal to the metal this week, I'm going to have to do some, you know, really push it next week um, and probably not take as many days off as I was hoping to. But, you know, such is life. So hopefully I'll still have plenty of time and mental bandwidth to draft after stuffing my face full of turkey and <laughs> stuffing and mashed potatoes and stuff on Thursday. Yeah. And, and hopefully we can get together and maybe grab some pre-release kits from our local game store. Oh, that's actually a great segue into our listener question of the week, which comes from Dorigan. Uh, what makes a good local game store in your opinion? That's a great question. One that we've never really gotten before. So thanks yeah. for that. I think this depends on your your use cases for an LGS. I think if you were to generalize this, I'd say a good LGS needs space. It needs good employees. And by that, I mean nice people who are willing to help new folks to new games, teach people how to play games. Um, just, I guess, more compassionate. I've been to some LGSs that have some really, really mean people working at them and it's just not a good yeah. experience. Um, and probably like it doesn't hurt to have access to like food and drinks uh yeah. at the LGS as well. Nothing crazy. I'm not asking for a full kitchen or anything, but just snacks would be you know, that's always a good time. And the ability to kind of just come in and sit down and play something that's not actually an event at the place is yeah. is usually good too. So I have uh I have some priorities that I see up there. Prize support. I like an LGS mm. with solid prize support. Uh you know, not that I always win, <laughs> but but when I do, I like to walk away with uh, with something that, that feels worth it, right? So um, maybe giving you the option to get store credit instead of prize packs, for example. Uh, proximity, I think, is pretty important, which might not be an objective measure, but I mean, an okay LGS that's five minutes away, you're probably going to go to that a lot more often than a good LGS that's an hour away, right? Yeah, that's fair. I think... I think having something close is, is huge. I would, I would say though, that if like it was a bad LGS, that's five minutes away. I'm probably still taking that hour drive, (laughs) but that depends how frequently I'm going to the LGS as well. So I think the community is also pretty important. Um, I almost want to say the energy or like the vibe of the people that play there. Um, if you're playing with a bunch of folks that are not there to have fun and you're there to have fun, it's not going to be a good experience, right? Um, yeah. And, and that I, also goes with uh, LGSs that offer a lot of options to play. Like if they have their their competitive modern events, but then they also have FNMs and a whole bunch of other stuff, then there's a good balance and everyone finds what they're looking for. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's basically what I was about to say. I think uh, there's a time and place for the spikiness, right? But like, yeah, 
you want you want your LGS to have sort of a spectrum of I don't know what the phrase is a spectrum of of competitiveness <laughs> I guess yeah uh, where yeah. where you have those events that are just for people who want to have a good time and then there are those events with the really good prize support that ha- that are more competitive. So I, I've got to say, I love our LGS setup, especially in, in our area, especially the ones that we've been to a lot. We've made a lot of friends at our LGSs. We've bumped into some listeners at LGSs. Um, uh, I mean, Nerdvana in South Jersey will always be near and dear because that's kind of our like home base LGS. Um, shout out to Nerdvana Games and Comics, uh, who hopefully we'll get to visit sometime over Thanksgiving to, to maybe play some uh some brothers were, uh, shout out to the bearded dragon games, uh, in Bernardsville, New Jersey. They're, they're honestly, uh, where I go if I want to play competitively. Um, if I'm looking to like play a modern event or something, and I, I know I want to go against the best of the best, I know I can find them there. And, uh, shout out to the uncommons, uh, in New York city, because I love the energy of that store. It's, it's a really fun experience going in. It's not too far from either of us. Um, all things considered, uh, and it's in the city, so you can go get good food on the way in or out. Um, and the store itself is, is wonderful. It's got a lot of fun, uh, decorations and it's, it's, uh, well-designed and it's a more relaxed environment that I would say bearded or honestly, maybe Nirvana is probably about the same level of relaxed, but, uh, uh, it's a good energy there. Yeah. They also do all their, um, pre-releases at really weird hours. So if you can't make a technical <laughs> pre-release, you, you've got a, like a 3 p.m. on a Friday. It's like, it's pretty good. How do they even good. swing that? But I like it because within all of our, our LGSs across the entire state, uh, we kind of have options. I know this doesn't matter too much to people that aren't in Jersey, but uh, if you ever find yourself in New Jersey, maybe for, maybe for like GP Atlantic City or there's like Magic Fest Philly coming up. Um, if you're going to Magic Fest Philly, whatever that thing is called, MagicCon Philly, I don't even know. Um, I mean, if you want to drive 45 minutes away, hit up Nirvana because uh, they're great. All right. So uh, before we move on to our live draft, definitely drop some questions about bro into our into our uh, our discord channel for listener questions. We'd love to hear them. Well, we're getting this draft kicked off. And uh, what are we hoping to open here? Honestly, just seeing Cityscape Leveler as the background of the uh, of the draft thing. Uh that would be a sweet one to open. So uh, just so everyone knows, this is going to be best of three draft. Uh, not to toot my own horn, but uh, toot toot. I'm in the high hundreds uh, currently ranked. So uh, I don't, I don't want to mess that up with my very first Brothers War draft. We'll wait like two or three drafts in. I want to get a handle on the format before I really tank that out of the top thousand. All right. The table's ready. Let's see if everyone actually queues up. We're waiting on two here. I don't know. It'd be cool to open a command. I feel like those are going to be the bread and butter mm. rares of the set. And I want to get some experience with them. I saw Reed Duke posted a draft where he had Titania's command. And it, I mean, six mana, make two, two, two bears and then put two counters on everything you control. Just nuts. Especially in a set like this that cares a lot about tokens. Honestly, I just don't want a dud. You know, I will take anything yeah. that isn't a dud. I want a sweet first draft here. And it looks like we're about to fire our first. Well, we have the temporal anchor, and that is certainly sweet. It's three blue, blue, blue. It's a legendary artifact. It's a rare beginning of your upkeep. Scry two. Whenever you choose to put one or more cards in the bottom of your library while scrying, exile that many cards from the bottom of your library. And during your turn, you may play cards exiled with a temporal anchor. So this functionally reads: you get to cast the extra two cards you scry every turn. Uh, you get to look at the top three and play as many as you can. Now it's not free casting, but this is sick card advantage, right? 
Yeah. Um, what else we have in the pack here? We have a keeper of the cadence. That's five mana two five. You can pay three to put something on the bottom of a library. There's bushwhack, the sick removal spell uh, or land tutor. There's a mask of the jade crafter. That's the uh, artifact with unearth that can make an XX golem. <laughs> we have one of those weird, uh, I forget what they're called, like not masterpieces, but we have a millstone. Um, and then after that, there is an overwhelming remorse in the pack, which is just top tier removal. There's a Koilos rock, uh, who am I kidding? I, I'm taking the rare. I don't know if this is any good yeah. or not, but I, I have to. Now, we got past the rare as well. Stasis Coffin, three mana, legendary artifact. Uh, you can pay two, tap, exile it. You gain protection from everything until the end of turn. I see why they passed this. So we were past yeah. the Gurgling Anointer, uh, which we talked about last show. It seemed great. And Monastery Swift Spear. Jeez, Swiftfoot Boots is in the set? What? What? Yeah, that's Why? one of those other non-masterpiece things. I forget what they called them as well. But um, so what does what seems to be the most powerful card in this pack just in a vacuum? Maybe the Gurgling ang- uh, Anointer? I want to call it the Gurgling ang- Angler. <laughs> yeah, there is an Energy Refractor in this pack, which I think is going to be a solid, like, smoother card in this set. Uh, Swift Spear is up there, but it's not necessarily great with the Temporal Anchor. I feel like Gurgling Anointer would be good, although it's it doesn't combo. Temporal I'm not Anchor sure that all the cards. Yeah, I'm not sure anything in this pack combos. I would probably just take the most powerful card, ignoring the Temporal Anchor. I think so. This could be totally a off. Drop in the pack. <laughs> oh, that's true. There's a supply drop. There's also a Rust Goliath, which is massive. But let's take the Anointer. I mean, it seems like we're going to get past some black cards. Speaking of which, we were past another rare, another one that we're not going to take. Fateful Handoff. That's the four mana sorcery. Draw cards equal to the mana value of target artifact or creature you control, and opponent gains control of that permanent. So it does kind of work well with unearth. So you can like unearth something, draw four, and then give it to someone else. But there's also no one left behind, which is a five mana reanimate spell. There's a heavyweight demolisher. That's the uh, the menace construct with unearth for a million. Ivory tower. What is that? You can your upkeep. You gain X life for X the number of cards. Nope. Uh, <laughs> the airlift chaplain's pretty solid. There's a Gix caress. <laughs> There is a third, third path, path Savant, which I love. Um, if we could yeah. end up in blue green, which would be the deck that has the mana to cast something like the temporal anchor, um, the third path Savant's going to be great. I feel like no one left behind seems really strong with some of these cards. I feel like we're getting past black stuff. Uh, there's a Gixus caress and emergency weld. I want to spec on the no one left behind. It, it, there's just no solid blue cards. Although I here's agree. a defabricate uh, counter target artifact or enchantment spell or uh, counter target act. Oh, this isn't the, the, I thought this is the common one. Uh, uh, that's not quite as good as I want it to be. Alloy animist uh, is an uncommon in this pack too. It's the, uh, the one that can animate stuff into four fours. Pristine talisman. That's kind of cool. There is a desynchronized. It's the blue five mana removal spell. Uh, there's a kill zone acrobat mine worker coastal bulwark. Not going to lie. I'm not super stoked on any of these cards. So there actually might be like a big mana fog deck. There is a fog of war in this pack as well. Um, I don't yeah. know what I'm on. Maybe the the archaeologist. Yeah. So Falaji archaeologist can put a non-creature non-land card into my hands. That can go get no one left behind or the temporal anchor. I mean, we're still waffling here a little bit, but temporal anchor is the strongest card in our pool, I think. So Christine Talisman may it. have actually been the pick too. <laughs> that 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 card could be pretty solid in the set. Ooh, there's a, uh, a weak stone subjugation in this pack, along with an elsewhere flask. That's a fun one. ETB draw a card, sack it, 
<laughs> lands you control become that type until end of turn. I guess that can help fix the cast some of the, uh, the weird mythics, but there's also a Keeper of the Cadence. That's the five mana two five. Uh, there's a, ooh, there's a disfigure in this pack. Got to just slam disfigure, right? I think so. I, I think we're probably not looking to play the temporal uh, anchor. There's a there's a chance we end up in blue black, and that's that's what we're doing. But I'm not a fan of the blue black vector in this set from Me what neither. I've seen of it. So I I would be hoping not to play that one. But so far um, we have a gurgling anointer and a no one left behind. And honestly, disfigure yeah. only a removal yeah. spell in the pack seems good. What I'm seeing so far is potentially getting into a black white shell that that could look pretty solid or even maybe a black red shell that does some sack stuff. Well, here's a cool one. Battlefield Busher, uh, three mana, one four, and you can tap to have each opponent lose two life and it costs one less uh, for each creature card in your graveyard. It usually costs five, but you can get that down to zero. I mean, this seems to pair pretty well with the the slower defensive black vector we have here. There is a moment of defiance, uh, the three mana trick that gives two one in lifelink and draws a card. Hopefully we can get one copy of this. There was another one in another pack too. Other cards in this pack, uh, there's a Phalanx Vanguard, an Energy Refractor. This could be the deck where we want one or two of those to trigger our Gurgling Anointer. Uh, but I think I want to take this Butcher. It just seems really strong. Yep, makes sense to me. So we got Mishra, Excavation Prodigy in this pack. Uh, I don't love this one. And that's the only uncommon left. There's a bunch of commons in here that seem solid. There's a Scatter Ray in blue that's functionally an Essence Scatter. Koylos Rock. There's a Carrion Locust, but that just seems pretty medium playable uh there's a recommission in white that's kind of cool with our uh, our gurgling anointer and our battlefield butcher yeah i think this is a relatively pivotal pick even though all these cards seem pretty mediocre because we we kind of are starting to shape where what vector we're heading toward i kind of like the recommission here yeah i do too um it's possible is also pretty has, good but yeah uh, i do see a bit of a graveyard vector emerging within this deck like a graveyard draw two thing within black white astral cornucopia <laughs> is printed in the set cornucopia. Oh man um i'm glad these are a surprise because this is funny and they all have these gorgeous borders uh and there's the x charge counters on i mean it's just a big rock i don't think we want this no it's not great and limited but so there's a moment of defiance there's also a warlord's elite the three mana four four that i really like uh but there's also a moment of defiance i feel like we're going to be able to get a moment back but this could help us like dip into white a little bit in case we open like a bomb white rare next pack. We, we, we're probably playing black and then maybe blue or white. So we, yeah. uh, we, we have our wheel pack now. We got back Keeper of the Cadence, uh, <laughs> the Millstone, along with a Yoshin Medic, a Koilos Rock, Dredging Claw, Sentinel Stalwart, which seems really bad, and a Coastal Bulwark. I kind of like the Yoshin Medic. This is a, a, a three mana one four soldier. I mean, if you get this back with recommission, that's a that's a two five lifelink. That's that's no joke. Yeah, I like it. I'm I'm starting to really try to pay attention to some of these two, like the three mana or less things. It looks like we might be in the less than three deck. <laughs> yeah, and in that case, we actually will want to pick up some things that cost well one and two to hope to curve into the uh, the warlords elite. Although uh, this pack, I think we're going to take an energy refractor. We wield the stasis coffin, but I'm not looking to gem draft this early. We wield monastery swift spear, but we're really far away from it. There's a Lawrence Red escape. Hasn't been but, open. Yeah. Lawrence escape. Um, I mean, this doesn't help you win combat, so it's not great. I'm just going to take you the energy refractor. You want the refractor over the, the first supply drop there? I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the other one is just awfully expensive. Energy refractor could help us fix mana too. It just stays That's around. Fair. 
So we actually got a lot of black stuff back. We got an emergency weld and a moment of defiance and a Gix's caress, which is worse. We also wield the ivory tower. I think it's between moment and emergency weld. I feel like the first well. emergency weld is better. Yeah, I agree. Uh, last couple Ooh, kills on acrobats a here. great card to pick up. Yeah, uh, it's not I, it's so good in the black white deck, but <laughs> it's a it's a solid playable that if we end up for some reason do end up in red, um, it's a it's one that we'll be we'll be happy to have. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to pick up another energy refractor here over some some blue stuff. Uh, there's a bitter reunion and a Mishra's onslaught in the last two. I'll take the bitter reunion and toss it right in the sideboard, and a union of the third path, which I guess your turbo fog deck. I think it's a thing. I think it's actually a thing. <laughs> okay, well, it looks like uh, Arena really wants us to play some kind of blue exile thing because we opened Hercule Master Wizard. So uh, that's three mana for a 2-4. Beginning of your end step, if you've cast a non-creature spell this turn, reveal the top five cards of your library. For each card type among non-creature spells you've cast this turn, you may put a card of that type among the revealed cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom. So this functionally lets you, uh, whatever card types you've cast this turn, you get another one at the end of the turn. There's also yeah. a Skyfisher Spider, the black-green signpost. There's a Slagstone Refinery, which seems really bad. Springleaf Drum. <laughs> Springleaf okay. Drum actually feels really good in this, set, in this set, just with all the tokens floating around. Yeah, honestly, nothing good in white. I almost want to take Hercule just as a hedge in case we wind up back in blue-black. Yeah, there aren't really any good black cards in this pack either. Yeah, I don't I see like us in blue-black, but it's, it's possible that we do. And yeah, maybe blue is super open this direction. Yeah, could be. <laughs> well, I guess green's going to be open this direction. There's a Gwena Eyes of Gaia we got past. Three mana, two, three. Taps to add two mana only to cast creature spells. Even if you cast a creature with power five or greater, put a 1-1 one, one counter on her and untap it. There's also a... D- door Jeez, there's a Door to Nothingness. I mean, what are this... What's going on in this pack? I mean, is Door to Nothingness... It can't work, right? I think it like, might it, it be can't. able to work in this set. 10 mana target player loses the game oh so here's Woobered, the thing it's Woobered. colored yeah it's colored mana so the the power stones don't actually help that seems impossible them. unless you have a bunch of energy refract yeah but then it takes then it's going to cost you like like 15 mana instead of 10 anyway okay. um there's nothing really in this oh there's an overwhelming remorse and we're certainly playing black I almost convinced myself to take door to nothingness why take a thing that can kill a creature when you could take a thing that can kill a player well, one you can cast, the other you can't activate. <laughs> all right, all right. So I took the overwhelming remorse. Now, we actually have some good white cards getting passed to us, which we did kind of expect. There's a combat thresher that's a seven mana, three, three, uh, double strike, ETB draw a card, and you can prototype it for just two and a white. That's kind of nuts, that's right? That's a really good card, yeah. There's also a Lauren Disciple of History, uh, four mana, three, three, in, uh, three and a white, that is. When it or another legendary creature ETBs, return target artifact from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, there's a Mishra's research desk as well. But honestly, I want to try out this Thresher, dude. This thing looks sick. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work with the less than three thing. Like, it looks a little bit deceptive because it, its prototype is is three three mana value. But mm-hmm. um, it's, a, it's a solid card that we're going to be able to cast for three mana if we need to. And it, it's got an effect that, like, <laughs> even as a 1-1, one, one, you're pretty happy to have. Now, there's another no one left behind in this pack, and having two five-mana reanimate anythings, especially now after having just gotten a, a combat thresher, that can be strong. 
right? Because then we're looking to have the black self mill vector along with two copies of reanimate anything. So we mill over a huge seven or eight or nine mana prototype and then bring it back. I mean, that yeah. that's a vector that interests me a lot. That's also another great thing with the prototype cards. You can play them for the prototype cost. You don't mind trading them away. You can reanimate them later to get them bigger. That's well, can I interest you in a third copy of though that five? Yeah, I mean, uh, let's see what else is in this pack. It doesn't look like there's a ton. There's another Yoshin medic. There's a yeah, Yoshin frontliner. That's the little uh, artifact oh. creature. I mean, this one's pretty solid. This can beat in for a bunch, but I don't think we're that aggressive as a, of a vector. There's a ravenous gigamole, four mana, two, three, mill three, and then you can get a creature back or put a counter on it. I like that. <laughs> I think I actually like the gigamole over the no one left behind, the third no one left behind, because we have very few creatures in this deck. And we don't have anything to power the self-mill yet. Very few so far. <laughs> Although Arena is actually telling me to take the Gigamole. Yeah, it seems Also, it's fine. called a Gigamole. We'll Come it. on. <laughs> That's true. Seems cool. So we got a Suchi Cave Guard. Uh, it's an 8-mana, eight 8-8 eight, eight Vigilance, Ward 8. And when it dies, float 8-mana. I mean, if this isn't what you want to reanimate, like, <laughs> you don't really want to hard cast it. This doesn't have prototype. It doesn't have unearth. But I guess it's a good reanimation target. There's also another Ravenous Gigamole, which, ugh, I mean, it's a, such a boring pick. There's an E-Wilds. That's not a terrible pick either. The yeah. the only downside to, to taking the, the Suchi Cave Guard is that we don't really have ways to discard cards. So if you don't mill it, it's just going to be stuck in your hand because we're never really getting to eight mana. That's true. Let's play to our vector. I took the Gigamole. So there's another Stasis Coffin. I guess we'll see a lot of those going around the set. There's a reconstructed Doctor, three mana, two one flyer, and has unearth for two. That just seems like a good card by itself, right? Yeah, especially it, it plays well with the less than three sub theme, so we can we can re reanimate it with some of those cards. Um, it unearths, so we could still do stuff with that. We don't really have any sack outlets, but if we ever did, that's a, another notch for the unearth thing. I think a three mana flyer here is just fine. Three mana, two one flyer. Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, so. There's some blue and black cards we might be interested. There's a Scatter Ray. Uh, it's the S and Scatter lookalike. There's Gixian Soul Flare or Skull Flare. If at the beginning of your upkeep, if there are three more cards in your graveyard, creature cards, you get a counter on it. And there's a Thraxiderm, which lets you sack stuff. I'm probably on the... Uh, let's try the Scatter Ray. I mean, people are going to be tapping out a lot in this format. I feel like you could get someone with it. Yeah, I'm just not convinced we're on... We're going to be playing blue, so I probably would have gone Skull Flare there, but... Mm. Yeah, we're definitely a little torn between playing blue and white. We're definitely playing black. I mean, we have two energy refractors. Maybe we wind up with some of both. But triple blue for Temporal Anchor and double blue for Hercule. Oh, whoops. There's nothing in this pack anyway. Uh, take a Goblin Firebomb. <laughs> yeah, notably, we also have nothing that generates Power Stones, which feels weird. Looking at yeah. this set, I kind of expected every deck to have those without really trying. And it, so far, we haven't seen anything really that generates them. So... That's something to keep an eye on early in this format here. So there's an involuntary cooldown. Taps two things, puts stun counters on them. Another recommission. There's a disenchant in white. Hmm. What are you thinking? I like the disenchant, but a recommission seems pretty solid too, especially with that new th that thopter we picked up. Yeah, we'll take it. I'm not totally sold that we're white, but there are no good blue or black cards in that pack anyway. Uh, we're kind of down to the dredges here. Bunch of red little little junkers going around. I guess I'll take an Ashnod's intervention in case we end up short on playables. Ooh, we got a moment of defiance back. There's a deadly ride post in white. 
another goblin firebomb and a conscripted infantry. Feel like moment of defiance. We didn't pick one of these up yet. We want it for our uh, our gurgling anointer. Yeah, that seems fine. Uh, I wasn't wasn't too thrilled with pack two here. This hasn't been really what we want to see. Yeah, here we've got a machine over matter and a Yoshin medic coming down to the dredges of this pack. I think you just take the Yoshin medic. Yep, move on with life. <laughs> Thran power suit and a flagey chain dancer. Neither of these are going to make our deck. And our last card is a conscripted infantry, which. This is weird. I thought that card would be pretty solid. Now, our last rare is Platoon Dispenser. It's a mythic. This and is five out of four, six. Uh, yeah, I guess this might edge out our blue cards. At the beginning of your end step, if you control two or more creatures, draw a card. I mean, you can just put that in any deck, right? <laughs> like, Well, you're uh, not done it, yet. It does have three and a white to create a one-one colorless soldier artifact creature token. And you can unearth it for two white white. So that's pretty good. I mean, there's a static net, which is the uh, really good white removal spell. Uh, kind of like a prayer binding, but better. doesn't have flash, but it's just good. Uh, another Monastery Swift Spear, a Seren Steel Seeker. <laughs> liquid Metal Coating. Oh, dude, you can Liquid Metal Coating Disenchant. You can Disenchant people's lands. Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, hold on, hold on. This set's kind of cool. Uh, all right. Some big stuff in this uh, in this pack. We've got a fortified beachhead, the soldier land. Don't care. There's an iron claw crusher, a green prototype. Uh, it's the one that it's a two five. When it attacks, target creature gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is its power. There's a spotter thopter, eight mana four five, ETB scry X, where X is its power, and you can prototype it as a two three in blue. And then there's a hulking metamorph. Uh, not gonna lie, I, I kind of want to take this when it enters the battlefield. Uh, it enters as a copy of an artifact or creature you control, except it has the power and toughness of Hulking Metamorph. It's a 9 mana 7 7, and you can prototype it for 2 blue blue. I mean, you can just I don't reanimate I think this. it makes the deck, though. Like, we have other reanimator targets. I guess you could still just do it. Yeah. Oops. I don't know. Looks like I Double took Gigamol, it. I guess it's fine. Wow. We just so, got past another mythic. <laughs> it's a Blade Coil Serpent, and this is, uh, I saw Reduke play with this one, even in a just straight up green black deck. This card was nuts. Uh, just X six for a five, four when ETVs uh, for each blue, blue spent to cast it, draw a card for each black, black spent to cast that each opponent discards a card for each red, red, it gets one O trample and haste. I'm just going to, who cares, dude? I'm just going to yeah, take that's it. An, I mean, it's a mythic. It's a first draft. It's reanimatable. <laughs> no, it's actually colorless. it doesn't, like, it doesn't work really well with reanimation. <laughs> how not? Oh yeah, I guess you need you need to actually spend mana to cast it, yeah. And now here we get a safe pick of an overwhelming remorse. Look, this deck is going to work. Uh, there is a junkyard genius, but we're a little bit off of red, uh, even with the blade curl serpent. There's another involuntary cooldown. There's a calamity's wake, which is just not a playable card. But we're going to take the other over- overwhelming remorse and just be happy with a solid What's removal. Our creature streak. count. Right now we've got 15 creatures, okay. 13 non-creatures. So looking at our next pack, there's a Clay Revenant. There's a Flow of Knowledge, that weird island card. A Zephyr Sentinel. I know you're a fan of that one. Zephyr Sentinel's great. Uh, I still think we're is, like really far from blue, though. I think we're actually a lot closer than it looks. Oh, I think maybe we're we are. A, yeah, I thought we had a lot more white cards. We may splash white for the, uh, the Platoon Dispenser. But yep, I actually I think agree. you're right, yeah. I think this is going to end up being a blue-black deck. Uh, let's take the Zephyr Sentinel just as a solid blue two drop. 
Yeah, our no. four drop slot is looking pretty weak right now. We've just got the two gigamoles there. I'd like to shore that up in terms of curve count. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to be looking out for four drops here. Um, can I? Uh, well, this is a JM Daytone, but you can activate it on turn four. Uh, there's a Gixian Skull Flare. There's a Koilos Rock. Air Marshal. Another Energy Refractor. Hmm. I think I'm between the Skull Flare and the Koilos Rock. Yeah, I think we're going to be able to get there on the graveyard. Stuff is just going to naturally die as well. I yeah, think, Skull Flare seems pretty good. Yeah, I think we could try out the Skull Flare. Uh, okay. We got an Evangel of Synthesis. I guess blue-black was where we were supposed to be all along. The thing is, I don't think we gave up any good blue picks for the white cards we took, so I'm not actually, like, too unhappy with how this draft has turned out. I, I just think, like, we've been seeing pretty mediocre cards overall. Wow, a second Evangel of Synthesis? Okay, yeah. All right, so... Oh, there is also a Disfigure in this pack. Our removal suite we've is got, pretty good. Yeah, I was about I to think say, I just we've got like, decent removal. Yeah, I think our two-drop slot honestly needs the work more than the removal slot. Um, having double of Angel of Synthesis, I mean, they obviously work really well with each other. There's a liquid metal cooling. I'm going to do that before this format ends. There's also a Power Stone Fracture, which um, that's probably the pick here. There's an Urza's Rebuff, but I don't know. I think I'd like just one more removal spell. We're not, it works pretty well with sack stuff. Yeah, and we're not holding up man on turn three. No, no, we're definitely tapping out given the vast number of three drops we have. Uh, getting down to the dredges, we'll take another Skull Flare. Probably won't need it, but I'm going to put the white cards in the sideboard. So there's a Desynchronize, a Latinum Adept. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, put a 1-1 counter on it. Eh. Oh, there's a Goring Warplow. This card seems sick. There's another Moment of Defiance, but the Warplow, it's either a 2-mana oh, yeah. 1-1 Death Touch or a 6-mana 5-4 Death Touch, and it pairs well with Reanimation. Uh, definitely taking the Warplow here. Yeah. So this is weird. This we're kind of in the dredges of the pack. So there's not a whole lot to talk about at this point with the cards, but it's the deck has kind of felt weird because a lot of these black cards are slanted towards this, the mana value three or less thing. And we're not really, we do have a ton of three drops and we've got a lot of two drops. So like in terms of having cards to get with them, yeah, we can do that. But all the power in the deck is at the top end. You know, I think we've actually pretty much taken out all of our mana value three or less stuff. Uh, at this point, it really yeah, it is more just the draw two. And I think these two uh, these two Evangels kind of wrapped our vector up. It really tightened it up at the end there because now we have the Evangels of Synthesis to uh, to loot. So we can yeah. uh, draw a card, discard a card. We can Which makes those, those top end cards much better because like yeah. I mentioned earlier, the big hole I saw with this deck was that you draw one of your nine, nine for nines and you can't do anything with it because we're never going to have nine mana. Uh-huh. Except now you pitch your Goring Warplow and reanimate it on turn five. Or you pitch your uh, Combat Thresher, which I actually do think we might end up leaving in the deck. Yeah, I mean, Along we're going to splash the, uh, for... We're going to splash for the... the just, yeah, the, the Plutoon Dispenser. It's not really the best home for this card, right? The, the yeah. Plutoon Dispenser really just wants to start pumping out tokens in the late game and um, kind of go to town, but yeah. you know, it's still a pretty solid card. I don't think we're going to hurt ourselves too much by playing it. Um, so I think what, if you're playing platoon dispenser, probably we want three or four white sources. If so we're gonna, well, thing. it depends how, how we're playing the, if we're going to play the, both of the energy refractors as well, that, that plays into it. Yeah. 
So thinking again about Combat Thresher, I think it's actually a cut because a good amount of the strength of that card is in the three mana mode, right? Where you just play it on turn three, you get your card back, and then you get a 1-1 double strike. If this is just a, a clunky top end thing, we have the Metamorph, we have the Warplow, and honestly, the Temporal Anchor is a big top end too. And we even have the Platoon Dispenser as like a mana sink. And we have some pretty expensive cards, although the, the Remorses will get cheaper. I think that's just going to end up being a cut and it helps make our mana a little safer too. I do think the Platoon Dispenser stays in. I don't think we necessarily ever have to try to unearth it. Yeah, so you uh, really only need one or two white sources. I think even with zero ways to make white mana, this would still make the deck. Because a five yeah. mana, four, six, end step, if you control two or more other creatures, that's not hard. Draw a card. Like, that's yeah. that's really good. Yeah, you're right. I totally agree. I don't even know that we need to splash the white. And especially if we are going to play the energy refractors, we could use it if we need to. I don't know that it's correct to play them, but I'm just saying that is that is a way to get white sources without playing planes. Uh-huh. I think I'm going to cut the Power Stone Fracture. I, oh, you can sack Energy Refractors for that. I guess you could sack the Reconstructed Doctor. We don't have a ton of Sacrifice Fodder. I mean, a lot of our stuff is actually pretty high value, and we care about it sticking on the battlefield. Yeah, most of our Sack Fodder would actually come out of the Platoon Dispenser, but by that point in the game, it's like, do we do we care about sacking our 1-1s to a Power Stone Fracture? Maybe, maybe not. But it does seem like one of the weaker cards in the deck. I hate to do this to you, but I think we got to cut Zephyr Sentinel. It's just so far off vector. It's yeah. a two mana two. I thought about that fire. when you grabbed it, to be honest. It's uh, yeah. it's just super off vector. There's a single thing. other soldier in the deck, and it's the Battlefield Butcher, which has a tap ability, so you don't really want to be bouncing it to hand anyway. Um, at this point, yeah, I mean, our three drop slot looks a little heavy. We probably can go down a Skull Flare. That brings us to 14 creatures, so we probably don't want to cut any more. Uh, and we do have some top end ones with good flexibility to be honest. No, I don't think so. It draws us a card. Sure. But I don't know. I don't really want to be spending my extra mana to color fix in a deck that doesn't really need the color fixing. That's fair. I did pick up a weak stone subjugation late in one of the packs in pack three, I think, uh, which I mean, if you remember, um, was it stasis bubble or like bubble snare, whatever that thing was called. (laughs) <laughs> this is a it's it's a functional bubble snare enchants an artifact or a creature uh it doesn't untap during its next untap step or during its any untap step and you can pay an additional three to tap it when you cast it so i see this as a really good removal spell for something like the uh I don't know, a giant uh unearthed creature something like the platoon dispenser well, maybe not exactly platoon dispenser but like some massive stat beast that you're afraid of like a 10 mana 10 10 this answers that for one mana yeah. So we actually do have a lot of reanimation effects um, between like the gurgling anointer to get back the small stuff, the overwhelm, uh, the uh, no one left behind. We have two copies of that to get back our big stuff. I mean, this is just a blue black reanimator deck, but it makes me think we might not need emergency weld. Hmm. Yeah. And this is such that, a good rate, though. The emergency weld does make the power stone fracture a little bit better. Plus, all of our other reanimation stuff also makes Power Stone Fracture a bit better. But this is going to be a tough last four cuts, isn't it? Yeah, man, we've got to cut four cards. I I really (laughs) think that the the energy refractors are out. I I don't think that they add enough to this deck. I feel like we want one on the off chance of Platoon Dispenser. But if we're cutting one, then maybe the Power Stone Fracture goes as well. We have the Disfigure for the cheap early removal. And then we have the Overwhelming Remorses, which 
will be cheapened by the gigamoles and pitching stuff to the evangels. Yeah. And then there's well, something the, um, lose trade off anyway. The no one left behinds get cheaper too, don't they? Uh, oh yeah, they also can be cheaper if they target something small. We do have stuff that they can target reasonably. So this is like a two mana bring back Hercule, uh, or or oh my god, two mana bring back the Anointer, and then start like drawing more cards again. Oh, that's the other thing. The energy refractor is pretty good with the uh, with the Anointer, but then again, so is the Evangel. And uh, it's funny we have two bomb blue rares that both have, are card advantage, but neither draws you cards. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> so, oh well, uh, what does the what does the archaeologist do again? It's a two drop top top here two drops. Oh right, this was the one that uh, it stocks a graveyard. Two mana oh, zero right, three right. ETB mill three, and you can get a non creature non land. I feel like pretty often this is going to be a two mana O three draw a card, right? Um, probably not. We don't really have any non creature non lands in the deck. I guess I guess there are a handful of non creatures. Yeah, I mean, there's all the no one left behinds. There's the temporal anchor. Any removal spell? I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, I what? How many of those do we have? Non creatures. Uh, right now we have five instants, three sorceries, and uh, so the artifacts are tough because <laughs> yeah, there's an aura. They don't actually work, but um, so it looks like nine. Um, yeah, yeah. Off of a mill three, I don't know. It's also I, self mill. Well, the yeah, self mill is important. Yeah, I'm just I'm skeptical about how often we're actually going to hit with that. But if we and if we miss, it's a two mana one four, which isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a this is a late game vector. This is not aggressive, uh, despite having two mana two threes. I mean, I guess you could have aggressive starts, but um, I mean, this is a deck like look at this top end. Goring Warplow is really a two drop. So I guess that makes me feel a little better if we wanted to cut the archaeologist. But then we go down to 13 creatures. And if we have this many reanimation effects, I don't think we should go lower. Uh, but then again, I could see a hand where we get stuck with like all three reanimation effects and no creatures. So that's probably a reason to cut the emergency weld. Because, I mean, really, no one left behind does something very similar to emergency weld. Um, yeah. Especially when you're casting it on little things. So let's cut the emergency weld. That brings us down to 41 cards. Now, <laughs> can we address our top end? We have a blade coil serpent. Yeah, hulking. We metamorph. do that is blade coil serpent is probably anchor. the least on vector card we have in terms of our top end, just because you have to cast it, and we do <laughs> care yeah, quite a true. bit about the reanimation stuff. Um, that said, it's still just a phenomenal card, and I don't think we're cutting it by any stretch. But um, no, not at all. This card looks nuts. They're just raw card advantage. Yeah, even as a six mana five four, it's just like fine. You know, if we do, <laughs> if we have no other re reanimation targets, then like great. But at worst, this is like in this deck, it's probably like a six mana five four opponent discards a card at, at worst, and it's often going to be better than that. So, oh, it's often going to be much better than that. Just you wait until I filter a bunch of red mana from my energy refractor, and I I I'd go full all three modes on this. It's thing. So expensive though. Yeah. We don't have any so, way to generate extra mana is the problem. Like we have no power stone generation. We that's have true. no rocks. The energy refractor is not a rock. Um, I I don't think we're ever going to have the mana to put into the refractor. It, we might. I, I just don't think it's, I think the refractor is probably the worst card in the deck. <sighs> 
Yeah. And I hate to say it, but we need one more cut. I just feel like it's such a smoothing card, you know, like it's going to be there when we need it. It also drawing so many cards, though. Uh, Yeah, but it does literally draw a card, whereas a lot of the stuff we have doesn't. I mean, you know what? I think it's just scatter ray. Like, when are we leaving up that two mana? Late game would be when we leave it up to counter like late game. We're drawing cards off like Hercule and temporal anchor. Like we're tapping out the entire game. Uh, sure. I I guess that's true. What I'm thinking is that like once your opponent has a bunch of power stones out, like you might want to take turn four off to counter their nine drop or later when you've already played your eight drop, you might want to counter their 10 drop or something. I, I don't see that being used very early on, but, um, yeah, this is like a meta game call that I just don't think we know yet. And also, That's this fair. is best of three. It can be sideboarded in. I think also true. I against, totally forgot this is best of three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that makes me feel a bit better about the setup because, like, then we could sideboard in, like, a Gixian Skull Flare against Aggro or uh, Scatter Ray against, like, Blue Green Ramp. So I think this is probably the deck. I, I almost. Is it nuts to go eight? Uh, is it nuts to go nine islands, eight swamps? Because we have triple blue for temporal anchor. I feel like that wants the eight. We are drawing a lot of extra cards, though. With Hercule, which also costs two blue. And the and the Evangel, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think this is the deck. So for the listener, yeah. just to, to take a, a quick look here. At the one drop slot, we have weak stone subjugation, the kill spell, along with disfigure. So some good early interaction. We have a Falaji Archaeologist, the uh, two-mana self-mill one. Two copies of Evangel of Synthesis, which honestly may have saved this draft, uh, despite having us both kind of crapped on this card in our set review. <laughs> we have an Energy Refractor, which pairs very well with the Evangels. A Goring Warplow, which is, you know, functionally a two-mana 1-1 one, one death touch, but we'll see it again on the curve as a six-drop. Uh, three drops. We have Hercule Master Wizard, the blue card advantage rare. Battlefield Butcher, uh, Gixian Skull Flayer, Gurgling Anointer, the reanimation thing. Moment of Defiance, the combat trick with lifelink and 2-1. Reconstructed Thopter, which is a little off vector, but I think it's just a good enough card that it, it stays. Four drops. We have Ravenous Gigamole, just two of them, to fuel our self-mill stuff. And then hopefully we get to curve out where we go... Uh, Maybe loot something away with the Evangel, self-mill a bit with the Gigamole, and then uh, turn five, we can cast one of our two copies of No One Left Behind. We also have Overwhelming Remorse, which, I mean, this will be cost, uh, this will cost one mana in our deck a good amount of the time. Yep. And we can't forget our off-color, quote-unquote, mythic platoon dispenser. I mean, this is a late-game deck. It's going to want to have creatures established on the battlefield. The Evangels were just going to sit around, and the Gixian Skull Flare is just going to sit around getting counters. Platoon Dispenser is going to be a must-answer threat. And if they don't, we're just going to start making a bunch of tokens with it, I guess. Uh, maybe filtering through the Refractor. I don't think it's worth including a Planes because we have some pretty intense color requirements as is. Uh, and then maybe every once in a while we'll just draw the Energy Refractor. But maybe if we had an Evolving Wilds, we would include a Planes here. But I don't think it's messing up our. It's worth messing up our, our mana base. Uh, given that at the 6-drop slot we have the Temporal Anchor, which is our pack one pick one. The three blue, blue, blue uh, card advantage legendary artifact. And then we have a hulking metamorph at the nine drop slot. This is going to be a sweet one to reanimate. Uh, to like loot away, bring back, copy the platoon dispenser. 
as a seven seven instead. Like, come on. Uh, or even something something stupid like uh, like an evangel of synthesis. But then when we draw uh, our second card, it can get menace as a seven seven. Like that's really good. Yeah, we could also. I mean, I could see. I see a world where we like get back the thopter and just kill them in the air with it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then uh, last but not least, blade coil serpent. So, all right, it's our first draft. We have two. What I have to assume bomb mythics. Uh, we have a handful of what I have to assume are solid rares. And we have a few on vector signpost cards too. Like, I don't know, dude, maybe, maybe we're a little hard on blue black. This is a, it's this is a, a reanimator. Well, so here's like, the thing. Here's the thing. That's exactly right. The vector we focused on in the format breakdown was the draw to theme. And that yeah. didn't seem great. No, this it is, and this is exactly what we were looking for when we did the format breakdown. We were talking about how some of these decks seem to have, or I should say some of these color pairs seem to have vectors that play really nicely outside of what the main signpost is kind of telling us it's supposed to do. Yeah. And in this, in this deck, the draw two thing is icing on the cake. It's value added on top of the real value in the deck, which is reanimation. And we kind of looked at black red as being the reanimator deck or the sack deck anyway. Um, this looks pretty sweet. I'm, I'm actually, I'm for it. I'm hoping there are a few different uh, color pairs that have these like weird alternative vectors. And maybe it'll turn out that this actually is just the main vector for this archetype. And we were wrong about uh-huh. like what the signpost was pointing toward, but. And that's possible. Like maybe we're just off, but I don't know. I think these are going to be some pretty sweet games. I mean, we have some sick mythics good cards, solid removal spells. Uh, we'll toss this one in Discord and ask the folks how we did. And then uh, I think we're going to play out these games, probably put them on our Patreon, yeah? Yeah, so if you're a patron, look forward to catching the, the actual gameplay for this deck. And of course, for everyone, if you want to catch the actual uh, draft itself, I just stopped that recording, so uh, you'll be able to find that yourself and uh, watch along with us. So um, <laughs> something new for our live draft show I thought it'd be funny to take a look back at our old live draft from uh, Dominar United. Now, we're going to look back at this one for Brothers War, and it's going to be hard to say that wasn't sweet. But for uh, for DMU, <laughs> looking back at our, at, our, uh, at our live draft, which was, again, like a first draft, it's pretty funny. Uh, it was blue-green ramp, which wasn't exactly a good vector or a good deck in Dominar United. But there are some good cards in this deck, and I see why it worked. So what was the record on this deck? The record shows a 0-0 on 17 lands, so I guess it was never recorded. Um, but anyway, this deck was pretty good. Uh, it had two Phyrexian Espionages, it had a Telerian Geyser, and it had some walls to hide behind in the early game, like Floriferous Vine Walls, two copies of them, uh, the Academy Walls, and a Coral Colony. So it's kind of like a walls payoff. I feel like you finished at least 5-3 or 6-3 with this deck, if I remember right. I don't know. The patrons and then uh, listeners with better memory than us, uh, they, they can remind us. But uh, this had, I feel like you sent me a screenshot at one point of, of like a good wall kill with this. Uh, I mean, this also had some top-end stuff. It had the Frostfist Strider, Territorial Morrow, uh, Bortog Bone Rattle, and even a Talarian Terror. Like, this deck can definitely win games. Uh, it's also just kind of funny that this is the only time I've ever seen a deck that looks like this. Yeah, <laughs> like, right? It just wasn't really a deck 
people play it. <laughs> yeah, no. Even though it looks fine, um, it, it is a bit skewed between several vectors where, I mean, it's not doing the full, uh, like, domain thing. It has a bunch of solid domain cards. I mean, the Morrow could have been a 10-10 in this deck. I mean, you had, uh, like, five dual lands here. So, and actually, <laughs> funny enough, we picked up on what became a rule pretty quickly in the format, which is that the non-green duels were especially valuable because it was the green cards that let you go fetch the other stuff. So you could always add more forests, but having stuff like Geothermal Bog and Idyllic Beachfront was really key to getting your domain stuff to, to, to work properly. Uh, I mean, this deck was just solid. It had an Iconoclast. Uh, it had the Llanowar Loam Speaker, which I feel like might have been the pack one pick one, if I remember right. Like an Essence Scatter and a Terrace Under. Uh, funny deck. Funny deck to have existed, but um, not one that I would voluntarily play in DMU. <laughs> Yeah, actually, talking over it, I, I do recall playing it a little bit more. We definitely got the Morrow to 10-10 more than once, and I believe the record was 5-3. But I definitely posted about it in the Discord, so if you're interested in actually seeing my thoughts in more real time, uh, scroll back through the probably the uh, DMU channel. This honestly looks like a 5-3 deck. Well, that about does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Definitely check out the draft itself. We'll have the 17 lands link posted as well uh, in the show notes. So check that out. Jump in the discord. If you're not already in there, check that out and, and post your, your trophy decks. We'll also throw up the record for this deck that we just drafted as well. Again, if you're a patron, you'll have access to the gameplay. Um, and if you'd like to support the show and become a patron, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. And if you'd like to find us outside of the Discord, you can find us on Twitter at DraftChaffPod. Thanks, folks, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, so it's actually time to call back to something that, well, I referenced in the pre-show a little bit. We've been talking a little bit about, uh, I don't know, I guess, what, what do you want to call it? The decline of civilization, uh, as we know it, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever's going on out there. It's hard to say. It's something new every day, isn't it? But uh, there are still bright glimmers of hope. For example, the Onion has been on full throttle, just foot on the gas. They have not slowed down at all. Uh, so well, they have so much fodder. There's so much. There's so much potential with the the material they have to work with. <laughs> and yet, pretty soon, even now, uh, their best headlines are indistinguishable from reality. So uh, today, they posted a um, a pretty good kind of like clickable article where. Uh, it reads what Elon Musk told Twitter employees during his first company meeting. And um, I'm just going to read off a few of these because they, they're, they're pretty funny. So his opener, uh, let's just remember that everybody likes me and I'm very cool. All right. <laughs> Second. Okay. Does anybody have $45 billion? <laughs> The top priority right now is creating a task force to figure out who is being mean to me. Which honestly is exactly what's been happening on Twitter. Next, um, quote, I just found out about GIFs. They're like pictures, but they move. Do people know about this? Oh, Elon. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, if anybody from the FTC comes around, we're a bakery. Followed by, uh, he then held up a single cheese Danish to reinforce the point. <laughs> oh, that's great. Dude, speaking oh. of the onion. Oh, go ahead. 
<laughs> this uh, this next one. We're planning to change the office layout to something that reflects the successful apartheid model I grew up with. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, there's no coming back from that. Uh, oh my god! The the caption is allowing employees to work from home reportedly made it far more difficult to separate them by race. Oh no! Jeez. I mean, I've heard a lot I'm of the stuff about, um, about like the, his factory conditions and like yeah, t- terrible slang and and slurs used against people of color and not not, not very good. But what, what was it you're gonna say? I just uh, I don't know if you've heard about this, but they there there was an article I came across and some folks at work were talking about, and pretty much everybody who came across the article had to do a triple take to to realize it wasn't an Onion article. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it basically the guy who helped invent the oculus rift built a uh a new vr headset that actually kills people when you die in the game is based off of sword art online and he like literally made a device that does this and the headline read just like that um and it wasn't it was a business insider article not an onion article (laughs) i don't believe that that's not parody like what do you mean you built a headset that kills you yep uh, and then I, you know, I was making jokes about like, well, that, that must've been, uh, you know, like the, the, like you see at the end of movies, animals were harmed in the making of this device. <laughs> <laughs> How do you, what's the yeah, testing that must've been a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs>